Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 308. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Barry Jenkins' If Beale Street Could Talk, along with someone we're watching on the watch list, and new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. One quick bit of housekeeping. Our new episode of Saved by the 90s is up. It should be available as you're listening to this. So check that out uh, on the website. You can find it on the website. You can find it on iTunes and all of the other podcast platforms. Just search for Saved by the 90s. Uh, Ken and I talk about a set of made-for-TV Christmas movies, and there's one straight-to-video Christmas movie in there from the 90s. It was something else. It was something else. (laughs) Wow. Man. Hmm. I want to cover more made-for-TV movies just in general, in everything I do, because they're just, they're a treasure. I hope that that's your avenue that you kind of get into. It's your little groove, your little niche. We, Ken and I have been, we have been talking about covering more made-for-TV movies, at least on the 90s show, so plan on seeing more of those. We we covered a couple in the past. But what I want to see is Film Pulse slowly transition into (laughs) nothing but made-for-TV. The problem is... That's fine, but the problem is the new made-for-TV movies are just not the same. Like they they just suck. You have to you have to let the made-for-TV movie ferment. Like you have to let it sit. You got to let it age. It's 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 like a it's like a yeast starter, right? You mm-hmm. put it in the you put it in the little container, and then you put it in the back of your closet, and you leave it in the back of your closet for a long, long time. Just let that yeast eat. Mm-hmm. And then yep. revisit it. And then you come back to it years later and it's just, it's perfect. Flavorful, <laughs> fragrant. Oh, that's so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so check out that. Uh, also on that episode, we do a 90s holiday gift guide, which was really fun. We oh, take a look yeah. at, at, we take a look at the top selling gifts of the decade and, go over the history of them and the pricing and all of the, man, you know, fucking catalogs. The hype. Yeah. Man, I love catalogs. catalogs, man. You get that shit in the mail and you would just living room floor just pan mm-hmm. down on your stomach. And, get that highlighter out. Just yep. Going and, nuts. And a lot of them, if you remember the holiday versions of those catalogs were <laughs> like huge books, dude. Yeah. They were huge. And a, there's all, all day affair. Yeah, so while I was researching this, I found this website that uh, that has digitized hundreds of these Christmas catalogs and you can page through them and it's just it's great. Nice. <clears throat> so, anyway, uh check that out, Saved by the 90s Christmas 2018. All right, let's jump into our review. Now, I have a review for this up on the site. So we'll start it with you, Kevin. I have a synopsis here. A woman in Harlem desperately scrambles to prove her fiancé innocent of a crime while carrying their first child. As I mentioned, this is directed by Barry Jenkins. This is adapted for the screen by Barry Jenkins based on a novel 
by James Baldwin. Kevin, yeah. what do you think of If Beale Street Could Talk? Uh, this is pretty phenomenal. Pretty phenomenal stuff. I think, you know, the biggest thing that you have here is the performances are pretty much across the board. Incredible. Like the whole, and there's a lot of spots where, you know, someone gets just one scene or just like a collection of scenes that doesn't last too long and they nail it. It's perfect. And all these little scenes are just done so well and then you know collected as a whole it's just it's phenomenal and yeah the the editing in this is great because it's constantly back and forth you know you're in the present you're in the past um but it never feels like disjointed in any way and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily seem to have like this predictable flow to it you know, like, you know that it's going to go to a flashback and then back in the present. Like, it's just kind of just seamlessly shifting between the two. Mm-hmm. Constantly. I particularly, yeah, I totally agree. I particularly like the transition when they had Regina King's character in Puerto Rico. Yeah. How she would come on with the narration and then they would just like cut to that beautiful shot in Puerto Rico. I, I really loved the editing in this. I thought that. Like you said, it's not necessarily predictable. It doesn't follow a specific structure, but it all it it fits together so well. Yeah. Like you you never know when you're about to jump back in time, but the the uh link between what's happening in the present and what's happening in the past, it never feels disjointed. Yeah. No. And uh also, which I think is a pretty great testament to his to Barry Chase's um his adapting Baldwin's book here because it, it it feels like it still has that feel of a book even with her like her narration throughout but the narration never felt kind of which the kind of tendency does in other cases but here not so much is it doesn't feel cheap like it doesn't feel like a cop-out like it feels at home in this movie right oftentimes narration is used as a as a cop out where the it feels like the the writer can't seem to convey these thoughts or emotions through dialogue or through the character's actions yeah so a lot of times in movies when you have narration it just feels cheap it's like well you couldn't convey what what the narrator is saying in the movie itself like in the story but in this movie, and I was really curious to see how you would react to the narration. In this movie, it feels very much like we're being told a story. And it it all, it aids in what's happening on screen. It doesn't replace the actions of the characters or the dialogue. Yeah. And I, I yeah, I really liked the the narration. It's also consistent. Like a lot of times with narration, mm-hmm. it, it will happen inconsistently in movies where you'll have it at the beginning and then all of a sudden it's gone and then it like might happen three quarters of the way through and it just it pops up conveniently as yeah. needed. Whereas I think good narration will have a consistent flow throughout the film. And I think that th- this is handled the way that narration should be handled. And you just got, uh, you got a lot of people just doing 
a really great job. The editors, the cinematographer, the composer, all the performances. I mean, essentially every single person that seems is a part of this movie did a fantastic job. All of the, I mean, this, this is a movie that just is firing on all cylinders for me. Like I pretty much loved every aspect of this movie. I think that, like you said, the, the, uh, the music is phenomenal. I, I love the, this, this is a movie that I could actually listen to the score oh, yeah. for. And I can't say that about a lot of movies, but the, the composer, Nicholas, Retell. He did the music for uh, Vice this year as well. Yeah. And that and the TV show Succession, which I don't know if you've seen the show Succession, mm-hmm. but it has one of the greatest intro songs in TV that I've seen in a long time. I love the score in that show. Okay. So he's this dude is uh he's killing it right now. He also did the music for Moonlight and the Big Short as well. Okay. Yeah, the music here is just it just sets the mood perfectly. Yeah, and it, and it's it, it really does a great job of just underscoring this the scene, and it it it's just perfect performances, just across the board, amazing. Regina King, I hope she gets nominated for supporting actress. I hope she wins because that was probably one of my favorite performances of the year. Yeah, and everybody else, you know, does a great job too. Kiki Lane, Stephen James. They're all incredible. Coleman Domingo, the dad, Mm -hmm. Brian Tyree Henry that shows up in that one scene. But Jesus, like, yeah, I mean, going back to what you were saying at the beginning about like just these small scenes with like these little kind of tertiary characters that come into their lives. Um, I talked about this before when I when I first saw this movie at the New York film festival. And one of my favorite scenes is the one with Dave Franco and that little exchange that they have on the roof. Um, I thought that that was just such a tender moment. And you have a lot of moments like that, like his, uh, like Diego Luna's character as well. Mm -hmm. And Brian Tyree Henry. It's these are, these are all these just small moments that add so much to the overall narrative, which is another thing that I really loved about this movie is the, the relationship that that Tish, the the main character played by Kiki Lane, the the relationship she has with her parents, uh, I loved the the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. I do with her yeah. Parents. There was a part of me that wanted more of that family. I wanted to hang out with them more. Yeah, I mean, I, I think probably the most powerful scene in the movie, and the thing that Regina King will most likely get nominated for an Oscar for, is the scene when you know Tish comes home and she tells her family that she's pregnant and they invite Fani's family over to tell them and the reaction of Fani's mother and how that all plays out that whole sequence, just how powerful that, that <laughs> moment is in the movie. It's just absolutely incredible. The, just the love and support that her family gives her. It's not something that you see too often, uh, which is, sad i feel like in a lot of these movies you have these characters that are like come from very dysfunctional families you know like their dad's an alcoholic and all of this stuff but it, it, that's not the case with this movie and it feels so refreshing and then again that to come back to it where you have like regina king is i mean she's getting a lot of buzz for 
awards, rightfully so. She is phenomenal in this movie. But if you do, like, at the end of it, think back. Like, she's in, like, three scenes? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think, two major scenes that yeah. would be the make her in consideration of the awards. There's that scene I mentioned in the living room, and then there's the scene when she goes to Puerto Rico. Those are the, like, two big yeah. moments she has. And then, again, like, Brian Tyree Henry. He, he one scene, he shows up for a little bit. He's at the house having a conversation and then you don't see him for the rest of the movie. But it like, that was a huge scene, like very impactful. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just a really powerful movie. The the thing that, another thing that struck me about it was that it, the, the love story angle. I mean, at, at its core, I feel like this is a love story. Yes. You have the, um, the injustice, the, the you know, the racial the injustice that's happening. Yes, of course, you have the the fact that he was arrested for a crime that he didn't commit, and they're trying to navigate um, a justice system that d- is incredibly biased towards black people, and it's they they have an uphill battle that they're trying to fight to get him out of prison. But I feel like at its at its core the it's the love story that that sort of takes precedence over all of these other elements and i think it as far as love stories go i feel like this is just it's a phenomenal oh yeah and i think the the one of the biggest reasons that that works outside of the performances and everything that you have is barry jenkins direction is like you can feel it like on screen like he he loves these characters he deeply loves them he has like an adoration for these characters like you can just feel it everywhere you immediately form a bond with them from the opening scene i think that the way that he starts the film with them saying goodbye to one another as he goes and turns himself in uh, to go to jail is that i think that moment was such a great way to start the film because we immediately form a bond with these characters and how he has them looking directly into the camera a lot too. Mm-hmm. You see that a lot. That that happens a lot in this movie, and it's a, it makes everything more powerful, more impactful. It's kind of crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it was it was insane to me to see what he went from from medicine for melancholy to moonlight because it just felt like such a huge leap. Mm-hmm. And then this happening now where I got to keep reminding myself that this is like his third feature. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Cause he just, he feels like this, like heavyweight, you know, like yeah. the big, <laughs> the big name. I I think at this point he can be considered a heavyweight uh, to have this, being his third movie, this will probably be, I mean, it should be nominated for best director, best picture among other considerations, certainly best editing and, and others. I think, yeah, he's, he should be considered a heavyweight at this point. Yeah. Give him a Marvel movie now. No, don't please don't ever. <laughs> well, what if, what if he did black Panther no, too? Don't don't. <laughs> Please don't stop stealing. Stop stealing people. 
it just if that's the saddest if you're, that's the saddest if, thing about if, that is well it feels like that's the new director jail where it's not that you don't get to make your own things is that you now get stuck making franchises like <laughs> we're gonna handcuff your creativity oh yeah i was thinking about sam raimi the other day and just how i really miss sam raimi doing his own stuff you know it's like drag me to hell was such a amazing movie and it made you think like he's going back to doing his own stuff doing what he wants to do but it seems like now nah, he's he's in the disney fold now yeah actually john favreau did the same thing right he he was doing yeah. the iron man movies and then he did chef yeah it kind of popped and out then, and then back <laughs> and then back to the marvel stuff or uh disney stuff yeah yeah anyway if beale street could talk Highly, highly, highly recommend seeing it. Any final thoughts on it? I this and this does not happen often. Again, the, the, all the aspects of this movie are fantastic, but I like I might actually have to get this soundtrack. Like I might have to get this score. It's very good. Which I don't know. The last it's, time it's, I I was like, oh, I got to get a, that movie score. It's also a rare film moment when they reuse the same song multiple times and it doesn't great yeah, on yeah. me. Like normal norm a lot of times if they use the same song in a movie, I will quickly be like, all right. But you guys couldn't come up with some other stuff. But, but the way <laughs> you think Yeah, like but the way in which they use it here, it it feels very deliberate. Like this is it's a cue. It's like, oh this is what you're supposed to be like all of the moments when that song plays are similar moments. So it, it evokes this, this sort of continuity of emotion. And I think that it works in this scenario. Yes. But not most. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's a couple of things that for us usually don't work, but they worked quite well here like narration using the same music those types of things uh i believe that i scored this a nine out of ten in my review what are you what are you looking at for if beale street could talk? copy and paste it <laughs> give you that nine i'll go i'm right there with you yeah this is gonna be pretty high up on my list of uh top movies of the year might even be number one Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you, too, with that. I completely agree with all that. It's going to be in that top five, I'm pretty sure. All right, that's If Beale Street Could Talk. That's playing in limited release right now. Let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching on the watch list. Uh, as usual, being the year-end stuff, i got a ton, ton to go over. The big one I want to start with is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Oh, boy. This movie floored me i was i was pretty excited for it after that first trailer i was like oh man the animation looks really cool looks like they're doing something different and unique with this i'm i'm into it but man it is so much better when you actually see it on the big screen it this is a movie that is just incredible i couldn't even believe what i was watching like this is I, I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. This is the best Spider-Man adaptation 
hands down, better than all the the Raimi films, better than all the new, better than Spider-Man Homecoming. This is like the best iteration of Spider-Man. Wow. It's so good. It's so funny. The the idea of the uh making a film out of the Spider-Verse um story arc was a really good idea and I think that uh Phil Lord co-wrote the script and I think that that really shows that because there's a lot of sort of irreverent humor in it that matches the sort of Lord Miller style and man does it work here it is so funny I mean I was just rolling at some of the jokes and stuff in this movie it is really funny but the the big thing is the animation the the animation is just next level stuff it looks amazing Hmm. never seen anything like this and uh this is a must see on the big screen just uh can't recommend this movie enough and the casting the voice cast in this you have shameek moore playing miles morales uh jake johnson playing one of the peter parkers Haley steinfeld as gwen stacy Marshala Ali as Uncle Aaron. Uh, actually, the the dad is played by Brian Tyree Henry. Oh, you fucking kidding me? That's another yeah. thing that I've come to realize is that I am obsessed with him. Well, you need to watch Atlanta. Yeah, I I've, I watched the first season of Atlanta, and that's where I got obsessed with him because man, is he good in that show? And then everything else new, I've the, seen him in is jeez. Uh, make sure you watch the second season because the second season. Uh, there's a lot of uh, heavier emphasis on his character yes. and some of the, some there's several episodes that are just, that just follow him Good. and it's, yeah, it's they realized who incredible. the star is nice. There's an episode that's just followed that just follows Lakeith Stanfield. They, ch- they switch it up in the second yeah, season. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Lily Tomlin plays aunt may Zoe Kravitz is Mary Jane. John Mulaney's in there. Nicholas Cage plays yes. Spider-Man Noir. <laughs> Liv Shriver plays uh, Wilson Fisk or Kingpin. Chris Pine is in there. He plays another Peter Parker. So you get this amazing voice cast that is just delivering some of the funniest lines in any movie I've seen this year. And then you have that coupled with an incredible soundtrack. It's got this great, uh, like, it's a hip hop soundtrack, but it mixes a lot of the new school stuff with the old school stuff. So you have like Notorious B.I.G. in there. You have Black Alicious in there. You have some like old school like break beats in there. And then you have that mixed in with some of the newer, more contemporary stuff. And man, it is just a great time. It, so it sounds fun. It sounds like a fun time, which is what Spider-Man should be. Spider-Man should just be yeah. fun. It is very fun. Yes. Highly recommend Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. All right. Uh, I watched a fun one, and that's Uncle Drew mm. from Charles Stone III. I watched this too. I, For whatever reason, like when this first came out, I was like, man, I, I just got to check that out at some point. And then over like the last like couple weeks, I've been dying to see this movie for some reason. Like, I just wanted to have fun. And I wanted it to be a basketball comedy because I just miss basketball. Yeah. One thing that viewers should or listeners should know is that you're you're a big fan of basketball. Big, big basketball guy. Big basketball guy. Big. And this movie is great because it has little nuggets in there. Like it 
you if you know basketball, you know, it, like they have the Chris Webber, uh, we don't have any more timeouts joke. Uh, Shaq complained about someone not passing the ball and calling him Kobe. Like if you know basketball, there's a good a good amount of humor in here. But I think also at the same time is you don't necessarily have to be well-versed in basketball history to get a lot of the jokes, you know? Like, for, mm-hmm. for me, it was just fun. And it, it did have a lot of the, you know, it had one of the things that I know me and you both love, which is getting the group back together. Got to get you, mm-hmm. got to get your crew. And they assemble the crew. That- <laughs> I love that that was a huge portion mm-hmm. of the movie too. Like a giant portion of the movie was them driving around, yes, putting the team back together. Because at one point, I did, I was starting to think, like, are they gonna play basketball? <laughs> yeah, are they ever gonna play? Is it just gonna be one game? I was like, oh man, I want to see him. I want to see him play a little more than just one game. And I love that once they got the crew together, that uh, Uncle Drew hands out like his little trinkets which they essentially like unlocked. They were like superheroes, which is just, it's so ridiculous. And the fact that this is a movie born out of essentially a a Pepsi ad campaign, like it has no right to be this good. Like I thought it was going to be kind of stupid. And I mean, at points it is, it does get a little bit sappy, which doesn't really work. But a lot of the humor for me, I thought was great. Like it worked. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I thought it was tremendously funny. I, like the <laughs> Shaq's character is just, <laughs> oh my god, he's great. Uh, they're all they're all great. And just Nick Crow and Little Rel, just the way that they would make fun of each other. Mm-hmm. It's just so ridiculous. They had a great rivalry. They did one of the best. One of one for the ages. Yeah, I, I liked this movie a lot, too. I thought it was really funny. Good times, Uncle Drew. Good times. Uh, let's see. I saw Vox Lux. Okay. This is the, the new one from Brady Corbett with Natalie Portman starring as a uh, pop singer. Mm-hmm. This is a lot different than I expected. I, I didn't know a lot about going into it. I, I knew the synopsis. I knew it was about a a young girl who went through some sort of violent tragedy and became a, a like a pop sensation through that, and something else happened. Uh, but the I, I will say that the opening of this movie is probably one of the best shot and most powerful openings of any movie I've seen this year. It was just. Oh, it's rough, but it was just really, really well done. The movie itself gradually lost me as it went on, which is really unfortunate because I was loving this movie up until maybe, maybe shortly after Natalie Portman, after the, the character of Celeste transitioned from being like a teenager into Natalie Portman's character uh, with her as an adult. Okay. Which is uh, which is weird because I really love Natalie Portman and pretty much everything she's in, but for some reason it just started losing me after after it got to that point. Didn't lose me completely, and I think that the movie is overall still uh, 
well done, but yeah, it, it became a little tedious after after it switched over to to the adult version of Celeste. But either way, I, I, I would give it a light recommend. Voxelux. There's some really great cinematography in this. Yeah. As uh, as you might expect with a Brady Corbett movie, I feel like his his style is feels feels very European um, inspired. His, his movies don't necessarily feel like typical American movies. Okay. <clears throat> uh, I caught up with the uh, Private Life from Tamara Jenkins which is uh, available on Netflix. So this one, you got Paul Giamatti, got Catherine Hahn, got Molly Shannon in there, Kaylee Carter, John Carroll Lynch. This is actually, this is pretty good. This is a pretty funny movie. Uh, Catherine Hahn and Molly Shannon and Paul Giamatti are all pretty great in this. And it's kind of a roller coaster because it, what it comes down to is Catherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti trying desperately to have a kid and they're essentially doing everything trying to adopt, but also at the same time doing the assisted reproduction stuff. So it's constantly that it's constantly them trying to get a kid and failing and then failing again and then failing again. And it's just it, but for the, for the movie to like kind of keep this, uh, this through line of comedy is, quite surprising really i mean that's not an easy task because it is like it is kind of draining because you're the hopes get lifted up and then it just all comes crashing down and then it just cycles over and over again and uh i was quite surprised by this one i thought i would you know enjoy it marginally but uh it was pretty damn good because it's got a it's got that nice mix of drama and comedy in there. Yeah, it's kind of what Tamara Jenkins she did Savages and Slums of Beverly Hills, and both of those movies are very dark comedies. Yeah, I wasn't a, too big of a fan of Savages. Nor was I, but I really liked Slums of Beverly Hills. I'm a huge fan of that. Well, I think give Private Life a shot. I think you'll enjoy it. I will do it. It's right there. Uh, it's on uh, your Netflix. I'll add, I'll, I'll add it to the list. I added to the list. I got many things to watch. Many things. Uh, keeping on the Netflix train, I watched Roma this weekend. This is the uh, Alfonso Cuaron one. It takes place. What? It's just ridiculous that you could get his newest movie on Netflix. You can just pop on there. Well, I don't know if, I don't know how you watch Netflix, but on the Apple TV app, when you open up the app, they change the whole like intro thing yeah. so like it was when you i thought it was you, like, interesting pick your profile it they changed the, all of that they changed like the the fonts and the the colors and everything it's just weird that Which it I, was the first time that i got on netflix and the movie that was released by netflix was actually smack dab right there <laughs> i know right you're like oh wow i didn't have to actually search for this movie i think that they knew that this was a much much higher profile release than what they normally do. Yeah, and this this is also released in theaters as well. So I would say if you can see it in a the theater, do so. Uh, it is a a movie that is very reliant on its visuals. They even released a 
a guide to how to set your TV for like perfect viewing for this movie, like the different, different settings and things that you should set your TV to, to get the optimal visual fidelity for this movie. It's shot in this gorgeous, gorgeous black and white. Oh my God. This movie is incredible looking story-wise. It's, it's good. It's, um, I have very few criticisms with the movie itself, but maybe I was just not in the right mindset to watch it, but it felt a little plotting to me. It's about a, um, a housekeeper in Mexico city in 1970 through 1971 and just the trials and tribulations of her life and sort of the, the juxtaposition of working for this sort of wealthy upper class family versus like her reality when she leaves work and sees the sort of squalor that, that some people live in, in Mexico city during that time. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's a tough movie at times. It's, it's very sad and depressing at times, but, also, uh, somewhat heartwarming in moments as well. Certainly worth a look. The uh, the lead, uh, Yalitza Aparicio, she she's incredible in this. Uh, there is a there's a very harrowing scene that happens towards towards the end of the film that is uh, should put her in awards consideration territory she's she's really incredible in it but overall i i would recommend watching it just make sure that you're in the right mindset to to go through a movie like this it's two hours and 15 minutes so it's not it's not a breezy movie by any stretch yeah i also have another one that's on netflix oh (laughs) big netflix weekend you can triple bill it if you want guys uh, that is Happy as Lazaro. Uh, this is directed by Alice Rowaker, which she did. Uh, what was that movie? Like 2014, 2015? I think it was The Wonders, I think, which was, it was okay. It was an all right movie. And then I, I heard a really good thing about this one. And I went into this movie completely cold. I didn't know a goddamn thing about this thing. And that's the best way to go about this. So I'm not going to say too much. Okay. So just go in knowing as little as possible uh, for maximum effect. And, and the reasoning for that is, is I have not been this surprised by a film in a long time. I just like, I thought I knew what was going on. And then I was just completely flabbergasted as to what happened. It just became a Hmm. different movie altogether. Um, but one thing I can talk about are a couple of things. Cinematography is great. It's beautiful. The Italian countryside, whew, boy, it is captured quite nicely. And then the central performance of uh, Lazaro is by an unprofessional actor, not professional, Adriano uh, Tardiolo. And he is he plays this guy, Lazaro, who is... Essentially, people kind of mistake him for a simpleton because he is—he has this alacrity to him, and 
this selflessness and he essentially just does whatever you tell him to do. And he just always has this look on his face of just like, he's kind of like a puppy where he just he does whatever you want him to do. His face is always kind of blank. He has huge eyes and he's just, he's always happy. He's always nice. He's always doing things for people. He's always helping everyone out. And essentially he's just being taken advantage of all the time. He's just this like essence of purity and altruism. And he's just being taken advantage of his entire life. And uh, that plays into it, into the overall storyline. But again, just go into it. Just watch it. Be surprised. This is actually one of, this is going to be like top three for me of the year. This thing is incredible. I'll definitely have to catch up with it. Maybe I'll try to do that today. It's on Netflix. You can just stream them all. Just stream it. Just stream it up. Take a day, stream it up. Call off work. The last one I'll mention, this is one that I've been meaning to mention for the last like three weeks and keep forgetting, is uh, True Stories. This is from 1986, directed by David Byrne. Man, I've never seen this movie before. For some reason, I thought that I did see this movie at one point because I always remember that that cover, Mm -hmm. but I never did see it. And it came out on Criterion got it on Criterion and gave it a look. This movie is incredible. Oh my God. Have you seen this movie, Kevin? I have not. You have to see this movie. It is so amazing. It's this, it was like the, the sort of offbeat quirky comedy before that was really a thing. I mean, like in a lot of ways, it seems like he, David Byrne, like started the whole like quirky, odd heartwarming comedy shtick because this movie is just it's just joyous it's just a joyous fun happy weird movie so he if you're not familiar dave Byrne, talking heads lead singer of the talking heads he decided you know what i want to make a movie he had a rough idea of what of elements that he wanted to have in the movie but he didn't really know how to put it together into like a cohesive narrative so he just had like a wall in his house that was just storyboards and he invited over uh steven tobolowski and um uh another writer um beth henley and asked them do you guys think you could put this into something you can could you make it into a script and they were like yeah sure so they worked on this script and what you're what we ended up with was this amazing sort of slice of life story that has it's got several it follows several characters in this fictional Texas town in in the mid 80s during the tech boom of the 80s when Texas was making all of their microchips and conductors and all of that stuff mm-hmm. and you just follow these characters, these very odd characters. You have John Goodman as this lonely guy who's looking for a wife. So he like puts a big sign in his yard and has commercials on TV and gets news, uh, creates newspaper ads to try to find a wife. And then you have like this one woman who never gets out of bed, but she has all these like robots that like, 
feed her and stuff. And you just have all of these like sort of strange people in this town and they all sort of interconnect and they all tell their own little story about who they are and what their thing is. And it's just this really light, fun, odd movie. Um, it's, I would call it a musical. Um, it's very heavy on the, on the music. Uh, there's a lot of like sort of musical interludes and stuff. A lot of talking heads music in there. That's, that's all original. But then he also brings in some additional artists to do uh, some songs and all the music is really great. And it's just, it looks great. Uh, it's, it's funny. It's weird. And um, I really loved it. True stories. It's the only movie he ever directed. Yeah. I'm going to have to get that. Yeah. I think you'll really love it too. It's, it's just sort of just meanders through this, this town and uh, David Byrne is in it. He plays this sort of traveler who just floats in, in and out of the lives of these people. Sort of like this like traveling minstrel almost, Hmm. but it's, it's really great. All right, let's take a look at some new releases in theaters coming up this week. We got Mary Poppins returns on the 19th. What do you think about this one? No, thank you. Same. I do like that they went back to the live action with the 2D animation. Now, there's a lot of like CG in it as well, but it looks like at least parts of it are going to be pulling back in the 2D animation. Okay. Which I, I like that. At, le- at least they're seeming to go for the same tone as the original. All right. And I, I like the idea of Emily Blunt playing Mary Poppins, but... Just watch the original. I have to confess, I wasn't a fan of the original. So there you go. I can't say as I'm too excited for this one. I don't have anything against it. I just, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Even as a kid, I wasn't into it. Anytime they would play it in, in school or daycare or wherever, I'd be like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> uh, on the 21st, we have Aquaman coming out. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. You know, I've heard decent things about this. The trailers do not look very good. However, there's this one trailer that came out that's like five and a half minutes long. It's was this extended trailer they released, which essentially had an entire scene from the movie in it. It was almost like a clip rather than a trailer. But there was this action scene and it was like sort of a chase scene. And it was excellent. I mean, it was excellent. So seeing that one sequence made me think, okay, maybe, maybe there is something to this movie. So obviously I have no expectations for it, but I'll probably check it out. Why not? It just, it looks ugly as shit. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that the, the effects work is not great looking. Now the, the weird thing about that is you can't really judge from a trailer. Cause for some reason I find most movies that are very heavily animated and have a lot of CG look better when you're actually seeing the movie in the theater over the trailer. Okay. But I will agree with you. It just doesn't look very good um, visually. So I don't know. We'll see. I I like James Wan. uh, So I'm kind of curious to see what he does with the superhero movie, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Bumblebee also comes out on the 21st. 
This is another one that is, I, I think people are going to be surprised by this one. I think I'm going to be surprised by this one. It currently has a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And wow. they're, the consensus is that this is sort of the Transformers movie that we should have got from the very beginning. It's there. A lot of people are saying it's the best of the, of the Transformers movies. Okay. And it's directed by Travis Knight who did uh, Kubo and the two strings. And he's, he's a, a, um, a Leica guy. He produced box trolls and Paranorman. Okay. And the upcoming Missing Link. So sort of an interesting person to have on board with the Transformers movie. And this one looks decidedly different than the other ones. It doesn't look similar to the the Bay ones that we've had yeah. in the past. So, you know, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to see it on the big screen, see what, it's, see what it's all about. It looks like it could be good. I don't know. See what Bumblebee's getting into. I would love a good Transformers movie. As a fan of the series growing up, I would love to see a a, a good live action adaptation of it. And I didn't hate the, the original one, the first one, but this one looks better. Uh, we also have Welcome to Marwin. This is the one with uh, Steve Carell. It's the Robert Zemeckis directed one about the, uh, the guy who is a... Uh, Mm. A, war, a war vet who gets assaulted and loses his memory and decides to create these like very intricate doll uh, like scenes. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing a documentary about this, or maybe it was just a show no, that featured a segment. It's a great documentary, Marwan Call. Fantastic. Just watch that instead. It's like one of the best documentaries from like the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. That's right. It's incredible. This movie looks dumb as shit. It looks really bad. I I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. I feel like Welcome to Marwin is this year's uh, downsizing. Okay. Well, wasn't downsizing this year too or no? No. That was Uh, last year. Yeah. That was the end of last I year. I thought that was one of those things where it was like it came out at the beginning of the year, and since this year has felt like four years long, that we just assumed. I think maybe it didn't go wide until after okay. the first of the year, maybe, but I'm pretty sure it was a, a year-end thing. Okay. Any, Which means I rate. got it. I got it. 2018. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, Yeah, at any rate, I would say doesn't look great to me i probably won't be watching it i probably will watch it at some point like when it hits netflix or something but uh let's see we also have second act this is the romantic comedy with jennifer lopez doesn't look very good cold war is getting a limited release this is the much talked about um another it's a a love story takes place during the Cold, cold war uh, mm. this is just it, like the uh, people. This was hyped, but it was yeah. hyped like a year and a half ago on the internet. Like I, I just, I, I figured I, it came and went already, <laughs> and I just never got it. I think that this is probably a a good contender for for best foreign language film this year. Oh yeah, it seems it seems like it it checks all the boxes. 
I haven't seen it yet. I I sort of was planning on seeing it before the end of the year. I don't know if I'm going to be able to squeeze it in or not. Right, you got to get uh, the Bumblebee. Yeah, yeah, got Bumblebee <laughs> and Aquaman. <laughs> How can I fit in Cold War? Uh, because we're going to be t- off next week for the holiday, I figure that uh, I'll go over some of the Christmas releases as well. On the on Christmas Day, we have Holmes and Watson. This is the the Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, uh, Sherlock Holmes movie. Yeah. I'll give it a look. I'll give it a look. It it could be funny. Yeah, anytime there's they're a great. They're a great duo. Yeah, I just wish they were doing something other than Sherlock Holmes. I think that could it could, could yield it could a lot of yeah. comedic moments. I mean, I, I've seen the there's like a trailer, maybe two trailers in a TV spot or two that that are out now. Uh, some parts of it are funny. Some are like, mm, no, I don't think so. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, also on Christmas Day we have Vice. This is the Adam McKay film. I would I would say that's that's worth checking out our review will be up today as you're listening to this uh destroyer comes out this is the nicole kidman one no oh, geez yeah i was wondering what was going on with this movie uh, that might be a limited release i'm interested in this i'm probably gonna actually check this one out after i'm done recording oh. so i'll follow i'll follow up when we come back after the break and let you know how that was okay on the basis of sex comes out uh that looks like it could could be okay um it's the uh biopic about ruth bader ginsburg Mm, another one well the the other one was like actually a documentary i know but it's just it just seems like a shit ton of movies about ruth bader ginsburg you know what that means, right? She's going to die very soon. I'm sorry to say. But it seems like every time there's a biopic or a documentary about somebody, they die like right after. It just It's so weird. That, like our, our culture is so weird. Like We just get fixated on a person and just drive them into the ground with like a shit ton of docs and whatever. Well, and it seems I think like that- for like the last two years, it's been her. Well, it's very important that we uh, keep her in our thoughts in in these trying times because she's she's the one holding it all together right now for us on the Supreme Court, at least. It's pretty much it for theaters. Let's talk about VOD. We got Santa Claus coming out on December 17th. Got Bleed Out, which is an HBO doc that's coming out on the 17th as well. We got Bob Lazar, Area 51 in Flying Saucers. <laughs> on the 18th that's a documentary I like that title that's a good title yeah mm-hmm. on the 21st we have struggle the life and lost art of zakalski that's on netflix also on netflix is bird box that's the one we talked about last week with sandra bullock and then on the 25th we have the harrowing which is a horror movie yeah on blu-ray we have venom coming out I'd skip skip that when I was not a fan of Venom. The Predator, which is the new one. That one is worth a look. I would I would give that one a look. The House with a Clock in Its Walls. It's one with Jack Black, the family film directed by Eli Roth. Probably I heard not great things about that one. 
uh, A Simple Favor. That's the one with Anna Kendrick and uh, Blake Lively. Mm -hmm. It looks like Deep Throat is getting a collector's edition. Huh. Yeah. Assassination Nation coming out. Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 11.9. Schindler's List is getting a new 4K and a new uh, Blu-ray edition. This was recently re-released in theaters for a short time as well. 1985. Mm-hmm. Looks like there's some new pack of Saw movies. Eight films. Ooh. Guess it's all the Saw movies. Big old box set. Big old Saw box set. Pick it up. It's time for the holidays. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? <laughs> uh, the, the super starring Val Kilmer. Airstrike starring Bruce Willis and Adrian Brody. Mm. Satan Never Sleeps from 1962 getting a Blu-ray release. He sure does. <laughs> He's always at it. Workaholic, <laughs> that guy. He's got too much going on. Uh, that's pretty much all I have for Blu-ray. The following week is, because it's Christmas, there's really nothing coming out at all. White Boy Rick is coming out on Christmas Day. Okay. That, that's a movie that it seemed to come out and absolutely no one talked about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I it, that's funny because I thought it looked pretty good. I was interested in it. And it, it didn't look bad. Yeah. It just came and went. No, nobody said anything about it. Yeah. What about Criterion's coming up? Uh, we got uh, Igmar Bergman's 1953 Sawdust and Tinsel. It's getting. Uh, Getting a new Blu-ray. It's not really a whole lot on there. Just kind of like an audio commentary from a scholar. That's about it, really. And then Penny from 1946, directed by Julian DeVivier. So you got two, uh, got two to pick from to go along with your uh, salt box set. <laughs> there, you go, there you have it. <laughs> pick it up. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. As I said, we'll be taking next week off, but come back the following week where we'll have Ken back on the show for our big year-end wrap-up where we talk about uh, the hits and misses of 2018, sort of the trends happening and all of that stuff, including our top movies of the year. So be sure to tune into that. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you all have a great holiday if you want to send us your questions and topics you can send them to feedback at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin if you have a minute take a look at our patreon page patreon.com slash filmpulse consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber for kevin rakestraw my name is adam patterson we'll see you in 2019